All right, welcome into another episode of Candid Coaches Conversations. Uh, every single week, you can find us live streaming. You can find us on all the audio platforms. And we got a great show for you again today with another group of assistant coaches and media members. And today's topic will be how college basketball, the, the landscape is changing with the addition of the G League Ignite a year ago and now Overtime Elite. Yeah, this will be good. I mean, listen, we, we've had a bunch of, uh, of different topics and uh, we'll never run short for topics. But I, I felt like this week a good one would be everybody's talking about, obviously a year ago was G League Ignite, right? They signed big time players. Stephen Pearl knows as well. Jalen Green decides he told me he was going to go to Auburn. I know he's told some other people it was going to be Memphis, but he told me it was going to be Auburn. Uh, instead, he goes G League Ignite and uh, Kaminga. I think Joel Kentucky was in there for Kaminga and Dacia Nix uh, decides at the last minute he signs with UCLA. And, and now you've got Overtime Elite, you know, this league that's taking 16 to 18-year-olds and giving them, you know, somewhere in the vicinity at least a hundred grand apiece. And from what I'm told, uh, the Thompson twins got five hundred grand apiece plus a hundred fifty thousand dollars signing bonus, so they're getting paid real, real money as high school kids. And I wanted to bring on guys that are going to be affected uh, by this, which all of you will, because you're all recruiting the high level guys, either have been already or will be. And, and Jeremy, get your insight too of like how much is this really going to affect college hoops? I think it is. I really do. Like G League Ignite, I wasn't worried. It's like, all right, you know what, Adam Silver, he's going to take five, maybe ten guys a year. No big deal. It's the same as it would have been years ago when kids were able to go high school to NBA. Now you 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 have those where Adam Silver said he doesn't want to get 20 or 30 to now overtime elite, which wants 30 guys. Well, if they get 30 guys to the top 50, which I think is a stretch, but if they somehow do 30 even of 100, how much does that drain the talent? So, all right, you Somebody talk me off the ledge. One of you guys, whoever it is, come out and tell me I am crazy and we have nothing to worry about. Is there anybody that can do that? Um, I wouldn't. I, I would say for right now, I wouldn't. I, I wouldn't. That's a lot of people. You know, obviously, like you said, the G League. Okay, you know, you lose five or ten. College basketball is still kind of healthy, right? But um, with this overtime league, it's still a lot that I don't know about and maybe some, some people on, on, on the panel know a little bit more, but I just find it hard to believe that they can get 20 or 30 guys right now because it's, it's one, it's, it's still a lot of things to be worked out. Um, now, again, you're getting 20 or 30 guys. Now we have some concerns, but as of right now, I think with uh, what, what we're doing right now, changing this NLI thing, I think, you know, hopefully um, that'll, that'll kind of offset it. I, I think it will, especially in some of the programs that we, you know, to have that 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 tradition, that following, I think everybody's going to want to be a part of that. I think it's another way of people being getting a part of to, uh, of the um, of the programs. So for right now, I'm I'm not that worried. Um, again, I, I'm more worried about what happens to those two kids if something doesn't work out. What's the plan after that? And then that's when you'll really start worrying. Not only for about, for our game, but you're talking about young lives, young men's lives if stuff doesn't work out where do they go from there because they can't go to college anymore so now you got to pay for their college education why, why, like how do they how do they continue to build those, those are the things that you got to start worrying about when it goes I know they want to have these programs set up but you know I, I don't know enough about that but those are the things that I would say right off the bat right now I'm not that concerned as far as that 
right now, but as it continues to go, I think that's where you start to have to really kind of uh, see what's going on. My, my big question with that is, does going to, let's say they go to the overtime elite league, right? That's supposed to just be a high school league, if I'm not mistaken. And if it is, and we end up passing all of this NIL stuff, does that mean that guys that, that had some of the sponsorship money or went to the overtime elite league or whatever it was, can they still go play college basketball? Is that going to be allowed? Do you lose your eligibility because you go and you sign with this league? Uh, that I think is something that is still yet to be determined. But if the, if college can find a way to allow that to happen, I mean, that's the best case scenario, I think. I don't think anybody knows the answer to that yet. I mean, listen, how can they know the answer? They have no clue what they're doing yet with, with NIL. Right. I mean, until we get those parameters, nobody has any clue whether these kids that are getting paid, you know, by, by overtime elite are going to be eligible or not eligible for, for college. Um, yeah, I mean, NIL should change it. I mean, it should definitely help. I mean, Hey, Carol, when you were coming out of the high school, if somebody had offered you as a junior in high school, you know, 200 grand. Now, 200 grand was a lot more way back then. But uh, if they had offered you 200 grand, wouldn't it have been hard to turn that down in high school or not at all? I mean, shit, they did. And they did offer. And, you know, for a kid, um, it would be hard. You know, but my mom, you know, it depends on, who, you know, parents' situations. It's, it's a lot that goes into it. You know, I still believe that uh, amateur college sports is the best amateur route still. College basketball is still the best. I mean, we still, I believe, got the best coaches. You know, you look at the coaches on our panel. These are all great coaches. There's coach at a high level. And, and, and Adrian alluded to it earlier. You know, you go to college for the basketball, but it's more about the experience. You know, these kids, we educate these kids. You know, they learn, they come in as young men, but they, you know, we help develop them, develop them into being men. And I, I think that experience is invaluable. And so, yeah, you know, you, you have all these different leagues and, and much respect. You know, everybody's situation is different. But I still think college basketball, man, you, you look at the tournament, the tournament is still going to be the tournament. <laughs> it's still going to be the tournament. And, the, you know, number one pick is going to be Kay Cunningham. Jalen Suggs. I mean, those guys and Jalen Green, these guys are talented, but I think the exposure that college basketball still brings, I don't think you could, I be, it's tradition. It's, it's, a, it's years and years built up. That fan base is still going to be there forever. And these leagues, hey, man, good luck to them. That's all I say. Don't, yep. don't slide Evan Mobley over there. Cap goes yeah, over there. Yeah, Evan Mobley. Yeah, I just think so. And, and Kaminga and those guys, they are all talented. You know, every situation is different. I just – I still think we still have the best amateur brand. Chris brings up a great point, and I think, you know, one of the things that, you know, you kind of find out on these businesses, there's a lot of parents and a lot of people that still value college for these kids, and they value the experience of these kids going to college. Um, and I think that that's an important thing that we have. And I think they understand the importance of it when they get done playing. And with the G League and with overtime, there's really no there's no numbers or analytics that can back up what that's going to do for these kids when they get done playing. God forbid one of them gets hurt. Like, what does that look like? You get hurt in college. You have the best, you know, at this level, at least you have the best doctors and, and physicians and, and people in the world that can help you get back right and get back healthy. If one of those kids got hurt in the G League this year, what was that going to look like for them? You know, 
another overtime league talked about, you know, giving a hundred thousand dollars of a scholarship towards their education when they get done. I mean that, you know, depending on what school they go to, that's not going to cut it for four years, especially when they're done playing basketball. Like Auburn's a $70,000 a year school out of state. Like that'll get you through your freshman year and, and, you know, a, a few weeks of your sophomore year, but it's like, there's a lot of unknowns as far as, you know, what happens after basketball. And I think that's, that's something that's going to cause some resistance in, in kids going to those leagues um, because, you know, one, like, like Chris said, like college basketball is college basketball and it always will be. Um, but at the end of the day, it's also a much safer bet for your, your on the court development and your off the court development. Mm-hmm. And Jeremy, I'll, I'll yeah. chime in go, here. Yeah, go ahead, Jeremy, because you're, you're a different, probably a little bit different voice here, a little more objective than probably all of us that are, you know, we want college basketball to, to succeed as much as anybody. But what, what are your thoughts on all this? Yeah. Um, you know, I think everyone kind of, everyone has good points here and it's kind of speaking to the same thing where, look, I mean, every year there are probably a dozen kids tops that we can look at and be like, these guys are for sure ready. Uh, they'll go to the NBA and get minutes. Uh, it's not always that many, you know, it, you know, look at this year's, uh, you know, group of freshmen, I'm not going to name names or whatever, but there are guys who didn't necessarily live up to the ranking and it happens every year. It's not the fault of the guys who do the rankings, right? It's just that, uh, every class is different. And, you know, we look at who are the top 100 players, but the delineation between one and five and five and seven, it's different every single year in terms of how the talent is. Right. So um, I think the guys, the players who are really going to be key. And I, in my opinion, I would guess objectively, just like for, for you guys as coaches uh, to land are the guys who you hope are going to be there for two or three years, right. Who can develop or aren't necessarily gone. Uh, and I think, uh, that's probably the danger in terms of, you know, the talent level in college basketball with these programs suddenly now taking guys who are younger. Uh, is the, now those are the battles you're going to have to win, I think. Uh, you know, Jalen Green, Kid Gunningham, those guys were always going to be one and done, and they knew it, and they're good enough. Uh, and so from those guys' perspective, it's just going to be individual situations. You know, Evan Mobley, go play for your dad, you know, have a good fun year in college, win a lot. Like, you know, those are good situ- good situation to be in. Um, but, and with the NIL stuff, it's not my area of expertise, but it's going to help with those guys too. They'll be able to make a little bit more, you know, off their own, uh, you know, name, whatever, wherever they play. So that probably makes college a little bit more viable uh, from, from that perspective too. Uh, but I, I think it's, it's the guys who are going to be the longer term investments. who you hope you can develop uh, and, you know, keeping your program for a couple of years and that's how you win, you know, it's, it's continuity. Right. And that's without even getting into the transfer portal stuff, but um, you know, I, I think that that's sort of the frontier that I'm interested in in terms of what decisions will the, you know, 15th to 50th best kids be making. Right. Joel, you, you did this with a lot of kids at Kentucky. I mean, you, you've had plenty of experience with one and dones. Um, your thoughts, I guess your, your overall thoughts on this and, and how concerned you are. Well, I, you know, I, I, I think what we've seen, you know, is that, that, that college now, uh, I think that folks are looking at they have more options in college. You know, there, there was a period of time where you looked at, you know, probably one school that was the one and done place. And then it became another school that was kind of the, the other place that you could go. And now you're looking at two spots, you know, obviously, one, you know, Chris being on this call. I mean, and now I think what we have seen is, is, and everybody on this call has had somebody that's been one and done. And, and I think that now I think the folks are looking at there's different spaces that you can go to um, be a one and done. There's different coaches that are going to prepare guys um, 
And I think that's a good thing for college basketball. I think that folks are now seeing that I can go be myself. I can go play for different coaches. Um, obviously, there's there's schools that have had more success, but I think that you know there's going to be a, a an option now for for you to go to a hometown school. You know, with the NIL, that maybe you can make a little bit more money. You can have an impact on the community. You can have an impact on that program. Um, and I think that there's places that would have never imagined having a one and done. You know, and um, I think that says a lot about the coaching. Uh, I think that that says a lot about the development. Um, and as much as I want to keep you, you know, near that edge so Stephen can come push you off at, at some point, you know, Jeff, I, I think that it's uh, you're safe, you know, for right now that the college basketball is here and it ain't going nowhere. And it's going to be great. Um, I don't and think it's, it's going anywhere. Great. Listen, right. I don't think it's going anywhere. But But what I will say is like, there are some pretty big names associated with overtime elite, right? We can admit that. Like if, if Kevin Durant calls some kid in high school and, and KD's an investor, Carmelo's an investor, Jay Will's an investor, board of directors, whatever it is. But if KD calls some kid in high school and says, hey, you should go, you should come to overtime elite. We know how these kids are, how impressionable they are, right? They all want to be KD. And are they educated enough? Are there, are there parents educated enough at that time? Like we got two kids that are going to their junior year mm-hmm. of high school that have already committed. Are those kids educated enough to be able to make an informed decision? Like coming out of at least high school and they go to G League Ignite, I feel like they, they, they've got a lot more information by then. They've gone through the recruiting. Listen, Jalen Green went through the recruiting process, right, Steve? He went yeah. through it all. So, like, he had a decision, and he made his decision, and we may not all agree with that, but he had all – he was armed with all the information. These kids, and juniors in high school, I don't know if they're armed with all the information. It's also very different when you're going into something that's that's set up by the NBA strictly to develop these players for the next level, right? Like, I just did something on Jalen Green, and I watched – way too much G League and Nike tape. And basically what they did was just kind of give him the ball and let him do whatever he wanted. Same thing with Kaminga. Like that that team is built around the idea of developing these players and getting them to learn how to implement what they do in practice into an NBA kind of a game. And when you're doing that with NBA coaches and NBA skill trainers and NBA strength and conditioning programs and all that, that's very different than being a 16-year-old and going into a brand new high school league where how are we? How are they even going to play? Like if you're going to have an actual league you have to have multiple teams right like isn't that part of playing games you have to have at least five guys on each side and as far as i know they have what like five at this point so um i I don't i don't know how that works i'm also very interested to see and and maybe jeremy you could into how good a guy ends up being at the nba level is like can he operate under pressure how does he deal with uh fans screaming at him how does he deal with the pressure of being on national television you're not going to get that from uh, like a glorified pickup game that you would get in the overtime elite league, right? It's still not the same in the G League uh, Ignite program as it would be if you're playing in the Final Four, right? So I just – there's a lot of things to work out, and I think there's a lot of benefits uh, to college basketball still. It's just a matter of whether or not it's the right fit. And, and at the end of the day, what are you actually talking about with this, right? At least for the Ignite program. It's not, it's not going to be that many. Overtime elite maybe a little bit more, but – if the NIL stuff comes around and they allow them to play in, in college after going to over overtime elite might be a little bit different 
recruiting a kid that just signed a $500,000 contract with overtime elite than someone that's coming out of high school. But um, I mean, it is, it is what it is. It's a changing landscape. Jeff, the one thing I would say is um, the one thing I think will make it, I agree with everyone that I don't think college basketball is going anywhere, but what I think will help staffs, especially like us, we're going on our third year of having a one and done. And we've seen it from both ends where we've had a one and done where the kid's been anointed to be a one and done because he's been ranked highly enough or whatever, but doesn't really help you win. He's not ready to help you win yet. And it's not a knock on the kid. It's just the reality of it. As opposed to we've had a couple now who come in, they're one and done in, in the sense that their production proved that they were one and done. They come in, they produce, they show how good they are, how they impact winning. And now they're ready to move on to the next level for us we probably won't waste our time unless we're blessed enough to get an Evan Mobley or an Onyeko Kongwu. It's not worth our time because now everyone's going to look at us and be like, Hey, you didn't win as much as you should because there's been expectations placed on that kid. And in all reality, they're just not ready to help you win like that. So I think it's going to eliminate some of those and probably help staffs like us out a little more. Cause now we're going to get kids. That's what we built our program on anyways. Kids who have been in our program for two, three, four years um, and have been a good foundation helped us build continuity. You know, the branding is one thing, right? I mean, they, they can't – look at Jalen Green this year and Kaminga. We never heard their names. You know, they played 15 games and nobody really watched them other than NBA people. Kate Cunningham, obviously, the, the, it's a different level of branding. We, we know that. I, I just – again, the one I worry about more – I'm not worried as much about the G League. I'm not because I, I think the numbers are what they're going to be, a half dozen players every year. Overtime elite, and I don't know how they're going to make money. That's the other thing. How is Overtime Elite going to make money? Are they just posting stuff on Overtime social media? Like, are they having – Jeremy, do you know any of the answers to that, whether there's going to be a TV deal eventually or – Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm still kind of, like, learning more about it too. And I, I think they're kind of figuring some things out um, on the fly too. And, like, until until they know what their numbers are going to be, I feel like it's hard. Like, the thing I've heard is that they will, they'll play prep schools. Like, they're not just going to play themselves. Like, I think they're going to get games or they can get games. Um, like, can you know, I don't know. Like, I think the original plan, uh, one of the plans with Ignite was they were going to go play overseas. I think COVID obviously, you know, scrapped the potential for that, right? Like, you know, theoretically, you could take Kai Soto, go to the Philippines, uh, have a ton of fans, it'd be a great experience for those guys, right? But, like, so I don't know, I don't know the answer to that. And I think it's that's one of the it is kind of a new frontier in terms of like what is this actually going to look like? Um, and you know, in six months, we'll probably know a lot more uh, about you know what these kids are really being offered recruiting wise uh, and, and you know, how it stacks up relative to, you know, going to college for a year or two years. Have you guys, have you guys been recruiting against overtime elite? Any of you guys yet? No, not, Nobody not can. yet. Yeah. Not right now. Okay. I mean, I, I just, yeah. I'm a prep school. I'm not, I mean, what's my incentive if I'm a prep school to play, to play, to play that, that, that league that are basically poaching, poaching the guys that, that would, you know, elevate my job and keep my job going like if they no pay way. you yeah, if they like, pay you that's your incentive right that's about yeah. it <laughs> right but as a prep school like I, I don't want to play those guys why would I play those guys mm. you know um but again I, it's I just don't see a to me and I, and I could be wrong I just the avenue for them to to function and actually become profitable and and get um to 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 get a piece of what what the college game still has I just I, I don't see it I don't I don't see it um, but I, you know, again, this is changing. So who, who knows, but I just, 
I have more concerns about it than I do um, the G League. I really do, just because you, again, like we talked about, what 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 implications does it have about if something doesn't go right? How do they move forward from from that at 18 or 19? Is it you know like what what do you do from there if it doesn't? We we have a we have somebody it, late to the party, Red. Red, we got somebody late to the party <laughs> here. He got mm -hmm. the time wrong. You know, like he thought it was tomorrow. I mean, we're not going to tell Leonard Hamilton on you here. I mean, I don't know if you've done this on Leonard multiple times and showed up for practice late, but here in the, in the you know, candy coaches conversation, we don't just show up late like this, CY. At least he's not skipping practice this week. He did that last week. <laughs> <laughs> oh, now he leaves. <laughs> now he just leaves. He, he checks out after we yell at him. <laughs> Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm with you, Adrian. Like, I don't, I'm not freaking out about it, but I do think it's something to monitor. I think it's something you have to monitor and see because all it's going to take, and it'll be a few years before it probably happens. That's the one thing. The timeline's a lot further away than it is with G League Ignite. Like with Jalen Green, he goes in the top five this year. Like, let's say Jalen Green goes number two. We know what, we know what happens then. Right. And Kaminga goes five. Like it changes the whole. The whole thought process of these kids. Then a lot of them are like, OK, you're selling me on that. These two kids have gotten the lottery. I'm more apt to at least think about it where yeah, if they it, don't. At, at the same time, Jeff, where where was Jalen Suggs ranked coming out of high school? Like how many like people six. are going to yeah. be like a top five yeah. pick? Yep. Everyone thought it was it was Cade Cunningham and Jalen Green, Evan Mobley. That's who everyone thought was going to be competition for the number one picks. And now we're talking about Jalen Suggs in there because he went to college and blew up and took a team to 31 or whatever they were. Um, I, I think the best thing for this, Chris, is is Zion, right? Like he he's a guy that was – I think he was like number five on yeah. 24-7. He, he was behind – yeah, absolutely, Rob. He was behind R.J. Barrett and Cam Reddish. Yeah. He was uh, he was number one on my list coming into the season. I saw him at McDonald's that week. Every NBA right. guy walked away from McDonald's practices being like, eh, he doesn't play that hard. Man, right, right. It was crazy. Right. It's crazy. And, you know, I just think that, you know, with our game, you know, I compare it to with these new leagues, you know, it's, it's always going to be the NBA the NFL, you get, NFL has CFL, XFL, all these other leagues coming around. The thing that we have, we got, we have TV, and and if you want to be exposed, if you you want exposure, like, and we talk about branding and marketing, yeah. our game still reigns supreme. And I'm and that I don't think that's ever going to change. Even back in the day, the NBA they had the ABA that league, it lasted for a while, but the NBA was still the NBA. You know, I think college, you know, of course we can do some things that can you know help, but our game, you know, personally, but like I, our game is still our game. I still think it's the best route for kids. If you look at a kid like Scotty Barnes, you know, he goes to Florida. They're like he's getting, you know, the kids that we get, you know, the high level kids. And if you ask anybody in the NBA that's played in college, they always say, man, damn, I, man, I had a butt. College was fun. It's you still get, I mean, Mobley, he, I'm not pretty sure the time that he experienced. With his teammates this year, it goes for a lifetime, and I I I worry about these kids not getting that experience. Evan right, so said that he was glad he did it. Yeah, he was, yeah. He was glad he went the route yeah. he went in and the option he took, and 
you know, just his whole experience with his family, but just going to the tournament, the friends he made, yeah. and everything was shut down out here. So he didn't, he had the worst college experience yeah. out of everybody on the Zoom. Right. Right. And he still enjoyed himself thoroughly. So I think you, you guys, I mean, we all, I think, are at that spot now and, and even here. But, you know, in, in my time at Kentucky and even since Coach Calipari's been at Kentucky, we all offer now that lifetime scholarship. You know, that the guys can come back and you look at a, a young person that goes to summer school before their freshman year, their fall semester and their soft and their excuse me, their spring semester. You're taking a nice little chunk out of your academic progress by going, even if you go for one year, that these kids that are going straight out. Now they're looking at, man, I got I, I got to go and do all this work. Whereas if a, a young person comes in one year, maybe they're not quite a one and done. I like the kid, you know, that that we have PJ Washington at at, at Kentucky comes back for a second year. He now has had two summers, two falls, two springs. That's a nice chunk. Now that when he's finished playing and he wants to go back, you you know, and show his, his, his young children now that, you know, daddy graduated from, from college, you should too. He looks at that as now having a nice chunk to work with versus starting at, at zero, which I think, I know I wouldn't want to start at ground zero when I'm 40 years old to, to go back and do college with all that money these guys are going to have. So it, it shows that you can, and as I said earlier, I mean, you, you've got now different places that you can go in the college basketball space, have that lifetime scholarship, as Stephen was saying earlier, have that kind of safety net underneath you if something, God forbid, does go, go wrong, but then you always have that place that you can call home and go back to. And like in college, like you got those, like those people at Kentucky are going to invest in those kids when they get done playing basketball. Those kids that leave Duke, you know, USC, Syracuse, Florida State, they're going to invest in those kids when they're done playing basketball. Like they will forever be able to get a job because they played at Auburn. The people of Auburn are always going to love those kids. And I think that you can't put a price on it. Like $100,000 is not a lot of money. Like let's just, let's just call it that. That can run out really quick. Um, and I, I think, you know, like you said, Jeff, it's, it's just, it's going to take a couple of years before we actually know what's going to happen with the overtime league. Cause at the end of the day, it's all about what your revenue model is. And right now their revenue model is social media. Right. Who's going to pay to watch a game of a bunch of, you know, really good high school players, yeah. but they're, they're not going to pay money for that. Mm-hmm. And while they have a ton of money being poured into it right now, which is why they're able to give these amount, you know, these big dollar amounts out right now, like. At the end of the day, those people have to get a return on their investment. And if they're not getting a return on their investment in five years, like they're not going to continue to dump money into a league that's not giving them anything back. Um, so, I mean, you know, like, like, like Coach said, uh, college basketball is always going to have the TV naming rights. All that money is going to get pumped into college basketball for forever, giving you the access, giving you the, you know, the tools to, to, do, it, to do what we do at, at a very high level. And I just don't think over time – um, the overtime league is going to have that. And I think that's where they're going to struggle is, you know, where their revenue comes from in a couple of years. Hey, see why I asked everybody this before. Um, if anybody's gone up against overtime elite yet recruiting the, the, the two sets of twins, weren't they both from Florida? Both sets. Both so sets. Have you, were both you recruiting either? Recruiting heavy. You were recruiting heavy. both of them? Recruiting heavy. And, uh, you know, they made that decision. Uh, the two big kids, the Bewley kids. Yeah. Uh, I wasn't surprised that they made that decision. 
uh, because uh, they they were very very basketball oriented. Um, I was surprised that the wing the Thompson sets of twins did it. Uh, I'm surprised just because they're big time students. They go to Pinecrest. They're like 4.2 students. You know, I mean, education seems to be a not saying that the Bullies don't value education, but you could tell their focus for basketball. Um, but I always felt like the Thompson family really valued an education. And, you know, I know uh, I apologize to everybody on the call. I had official visiting camp drama. And uh, so I'm, I'm running in here late. But I want to say this. Uh, my concern, and I want to say this publicly, is we got guys who go to college, and I'm not going to call names of certain guys that make it to the NBA. Uh, but when they finish, they have uh, psychological issues uh, after leaving the game. I think it's something unhealthy about being solely focused on basketball mm -hmm. at that young age. Mm -hmm. I, I think we're setting a generation of players up that, uh, you, you, I mean, even if you – and some of these guys are the real deal now. Some of these guys are silverbacks now. Them Thompson twins, they rough. <laughs> they pros, G. Ain't no doubt about that. They make my long ball. But – when you're only going to play 14 years, or so you 20 years, you play 14, you're 34. Now from 34 to 80, you're trying to figure out what you're going to do with the rest of your life. Even if you have the money, you don't have a skill, you don't have contacts, you don't have a degree. I just think it's something unhealthy about not being a well-rounded young man. And that's my concern. I don't, I don't have no, I'm glad they, they're giving them another option. Right. I, I guess they're saying that they're going to educate them in some form or fashion. I'm hoping and praying that that's true because Carowell is right. No matter what they do, they ain't going to touch college basketball. I mean, everybody always talk about college basketball. Hey, the product is going to go down, but it's, it's so many players out here. And I don't, I love everybody. I ain't mad at nobody. I ain't trying to fight. Right. I go and try to get Antonio Blakeney in Sarasota. If he don't want to come, then I go get Malik Beasley in Atlanta. You know, right? <laughs> I'm good. You know, if Dewan Hill don't want to come from Miami, then I'll go get Mafondu Kamigeli and I'll we'll make him a pro. You know, it's so many players out here. Or I'll go find Devin Vassell who Presbyterian wanted. So it's always gonna be other guys that develop and flourish when they're given an opportunity. So I'm just concerned about the mental health when they finish playing, you know, mm -hmm. that's, a, that's a, that's a great point. No, it's a great point. I, you know, didn't mm -hmm. think of, you think about it, but, but when you say it, it hits you of like, Hey, these kids are all, whether it's G league night. Yeah. They got a group. They got a group of five or six dudes that they're friendly with, but it's not the same as being on a college campus, having lifelong friends, you know, going out, like, it's just, it's a totally, I mean, again, it sounds corny, right? Like college is the best four, for me, it was four and a half years of my life. I tried to string it out as long as I could. Uh, but, but yeah, I mean, it, I did five, Jeff. I was on the five-year plan. Yeah. I mean, come on. Like I would have went longer. If my parents had paid for it, I probably would have went longer. Uh, they'd had enough, but, but yeah, I mean, I, I do think college has so many advantages beyond just, again, the exposure, the TV, all of that. I remember talking to Danny Ainge. I think it was when Jalen Green, I forget it, who made the first decision to go G League Ignite, but I remember calling him and talking to him about it. And, and that was the first thing he said. He was like, but college is college. Like it's, 
you got your boys, you got, you know, you got your group. Like it's, it's different. You can always go back to that. What are you going to have with G League Ignite? And, and Jeff, more than just your boys and your friends, like you learn how to communicate mm-hmm. yeah. with yeah. professionals. Like that time you spend sitting and talking with the SID, yep. that time you spend talking to a professor or an assistant AD or a counselor on campus, you learn how to network and become a young adult and you start making contacts life after basketball. And then you meet friends. For me, when I went to Georgia Southern, meeting regular students that I built relationships with that were talking about opening businesses and doing different things. You know, some of these guys I got contacts with now and we do business. And it's, it's just to miss that part of your development outside of basketball. You know, it's scary. That's, that's scary. I'm talking about, you know, from 15, all you do every day is play basketball all day, every day. You don't never have to go to theater class and write a paper, you know what I mean? Or speak in a play or oof. in terms of development when this thing is over, that's scary, man. It's setting these kids up for failure because even when they have the money, guys are struggling. Yeah. Our problem is we, <clears throat> you know, we, we can talk about all these things, see why we can get in front of these kids and these families and we can talk about all the advantages, but they hear $500,000 <laughs> and uh, all logic all reasoning like it doesn't mean anything you know and you can sit here and talk about you know what your brand's worth after going to college for a year you know we talked about zion like it's just the perfect example talk about jalen suggs like the perfect example of of what the ncaa tournament what co- what college basketball does for your brand for for your value for your net worth as you become a professional on top of all the different things that you talked about with networking and meeting new people but at the end of the day, they, they hear $500,000 or, you know, a million dollars over two years. And it's like, how do you, you know, how do you compete with that in, in, in you know, in that two year span? It's, it's just so hard, you know, having gone through it and having dealt with it with a few guys. It's just, it's really hard to kind of come back and, and you know, just trying to talk about on the other side of things. And I understand where they're coming from because some of these kids, you know, don't have never even like seen, you know, have never had anything, you know, they've never had anything. And to have the opportunity to take care of their family to an extent for a couple of years is something that they're, that's very attractive to them. So, um, you know, our, our biggest challenge is going to be, how do you get through to those guys explaining all those things and explaining all the advantages of going to college? And the sad thing is, I don't know if you can, I know. Like, I, I think you got to let everybody judge their own situation. Um, you know, how can you tell a kid, not to take $500,000 when they come from a low-income situation. Can't. You, know? you, can't. I don't, I don't, you just hope they make the right decision. You, yeah. you, you know, again, it might be the right decision at the time, but but if you're playing the long game, right, I mean, it's it's a different ball game if you're looking down the road. And, listen, you know, I deal with my 17-year-old daughter. She doesn't know how to play the long game. She she All she cares about is now, nothing else. She's not even looking at tomorrow. So, again, how hard is it to be able to teach these kids? You know, it's got to be the parents. It's got to be the people around them. They tell them, hey, you know what? It's great. 100 grand, 200 grand. You know, the, the, the twins got 500 grand, the Thompson twins. But, again, down the road, look at what Kate Cunningham is going to make now. It's, and look, talk to Kate Cunningham. Like, I think, I think we need to do a better job of that. I think we need to do a better job of getting – 
the kids who went through the college experience to advocate and hear from Kate Cunningham and hear from Evan Mobley and some of these kids, Jalen Suggs, who, who made the decision. Let's hear from them. Who ha- you know, they have the option. Kate could have made a million dollars probably or close to it if you went gone G League Ignite. I want to hear from him. He He's our best for the game. He's the best salesman. I, I agree with you totally. I, I've been thinking that and I've been saying that probably the last three or four years, you know, um, you know, our game, we need to have spokesmen um, and not just us coaches. Cause everybody looks at the coaches like, Hey, you know, it's your self-interest, yeah. but to hear from, you know, the Zions and, you know, the RJs and all of those guys and let them talk because now they're the next, they're the, they're the next group to have the influence on these younger kids, you know, right. you know, um, and all these guys, you know, to, to share their experiences and, and and the messaging, you know, that's that 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 would be more powerful than any type of any type of uh, commercial we can put together. Any type of advertisement is having those kids talk about their experience, and then obviously put the data to it about where they were before they had that before they had that college experience. Have you talked to Mello? Have you talked to Mello at all? Who's an investor in Overtime Elite about this or not really? I haven't. I haven't. Um, it's it's one of those things where, for me, I'm 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 like see why like it, it's and he said it perfect. Like life skills last a lot longer than than the game, you know. Um, and we all are here, and we've all done been been in this game and involved in this game. But right now, what we're doing to be able to work to with, you know, fortunately, you know, health and everything, you know, a lot longer than we ever could play or or run up and down is more valuable. Is more valuable than anything. So um, that the overtime one is the one that I really I I, I get the G League. I get yeah. the again this, but the overtime one is where I have the questions and concerns because we're talking now. You're talking about 15, 16, and 17 year olds, um, just exclusively locking in, and, and you know it's almost it's not even homeschool. It's like it's like homeschooling, but just you know you're not interacting. You're not learning how to learning those other skills that you need to be successful. And to be successful in anything you need, you need you need to be able to communicate. You need to be able to develop those relationships to to get to where you want to go. You know, every, you don't go at it alone, and that's that's the one thing. Again, let, the let, league is the one that really kind of concerns. Let, let me say this: Jeff and I tried uh, to get a representative from those leagues on this call, and I so wish that they were there to give their perspective. Because what I don't want is this call to feel like this is a college bash in those leagues. Because I'm, I'm, they're opening opportunities, they're opening up some jobs, but you know what scares me, and, and everybody care well, you know, you got the guys on this call, Capco, you guys played with guys that were pros and big time players, and everybody's on this call has seen the end of the movie, when a guy who has finished playing pro ball cannot function in the real world. That's one of the saddest things you ever want to experience. I mean, I'm 49 years old. I got guys who played in in the late 80s, early 90s that played in the league longer than I did, played in Europe. Now that they're finished, we're 49 years old. I got guys who played in the league calling me saying, hey, see, why can you help me get a coaching job? You know what I mean? Like, the end of the movie ain't pretty. And that's what, you know, we got. But But I do wish – that somebody was on this call to give their perspective so we can understand the league more. I know a few people in the league and I respect them. And no, they, they got some good, listen, Kevin yeah. Ollie, we haven't talked about it. Kevin Ollie, coach. You guys are good. Right. 
Brandon Williams, personnel guy. He's been assistant GM for Sacramento. I know Brandon, terrific guy, high, high character guy. Um, You know, Dave Lato, right, an assistant coach, isn't he? Yeah, that's big time. I mean, those guys are high-level guys. G League Ignite, it's got Brian Shaw. Like, you're not doing much better than Brian Shaw. And Sharif running it. So, like, they've got people at least in place. They're not not just putting some slap dick out there. They're putting putting good people. Good family showed you. All right, you can – listen, you can – Rob will edit that out. Rob will (laughs) will bleep that out, all right? Good family show here, man. (laughs) <laughs> you, hey, you showed up late this week. You get no, there's you get no editorial, you know, <laughs> rights over anything that happens. You showed I, up too late. I'll take that. I'll take that. I'll take it out of my check, Joe. <laughs> so, what else can be done, guys? What I, I mean, is there anything that can be done? Obviously, NIL is going to help. Again, we agree that maybe. We need to hear more from the Zions, the Cades, the Suggses, the Mobleys, guys like that. Is there anything else that can or should be done? Jeremy, you got any ideas? Well, I was going to say, like, I think one thing also to keep in mind here uh, that's going to be, it's another variable that no one really knows how it's going to work is just, uh, you know, I think part of why the NBA felt the need to go into this space uh, is because I think, with the realization, you know, a few years ago, we were all talking about, you know, when is the NBA going to change the age limit? I mean, that didn't happen. Uh, you know, the new collective bargaining agreement, uh, 2024, I believe, is when it's up. And I think the thing I consistently have heard from people around the NBA is, uh, you know, it hasn't been a huge point of urgency for uh, the union, for the players union uh, to uh, to get younger. Uh, I think the NBA teams are OK with it because it's easier to evaluate guys when you have more time. Uh, you know, you mess up when you have to draft teenagers. Uh, not that we're not doing that now, but, you know, the end you get, the harder it is to predict. Um, so the question is, you know, will will the age limit change? Will, will they go to 18 again in 2024? And how is that going to affect overtime elite? Uh, you know, will the NBA continue to have Ignite? Like, these are all variables that are, these are longer term questions. Um, and, you know, obviously right now, all we can worry about is now, you know, these kids have the short term, you know, next three years pathway to college or pro, but uh, that's something I think it's worth keeping in mind too. Is you know the longevity of something like this, uh, you know these startup uh, situations, uh, you know what type of impact that's going to have. I don't know the answer. Uh, I'd be curious if anyone has thoughts on that. But it's I think it's something that is hanging over the whole thing. It's when it'll you know the landscape will change again. Anybody want to jump in on that? Or I mean, again, you know, part of it is as Jeremy's saying, like high school, the NBA is that going to go back into place? That's been something that that's been talked about for a while. You know, to me, originally I was like, you know what? Let's just go back high school um, to NBA like we used to do. It's probably going to go that route anyway. But, you know, I feel like, listen, we wouldn't have got Kevin Durant in college. Some of these guys. And I saw Kevin Durant and how he grew that one year at Texas. It was huge. This was a kid that honestly couldn't say a word before he got to college. Like nothing. Quiet. Like, and then he goes to Texas. And Scott McConnell, the SID, throws him out there, throws him the wolves. And, man, like that year did wonders for Kevin Durant. So I would say for me personally, I've just seen even one year. And I don't know, Chris, if you want to speak to this, Capco, about how it helped Evan. I talked to him before the year. He was like Kevin Durant. He didn't say much. He was good, but he didn't want the attention. He was super quiet. 
the nicest kid in the world. What did the year, obviously it wasn't the same year as Kevin Durant had because Evan wasn't doing as much media stuff and everything like that, but it, it makes a difference. It definitely does because of the exposure. The exposure he got, the attention for a kid who doesn't want attention, forces you to speak, and it helped him grow up you know, within his teammates. It, it's For him, being 19 years old, it was hard for him to assert himself in front of 22-year-old seniors. So as we went on throughout our season, it got easier for him to do that. Now imagine him doing that with 25, 26, 31, 32-year-old men. So I think that helped him. You know, the growth physically helped him. Learning the game helped him. I mean, I think experience, all that experience will only help him. And I just think he liked being around the guys, though, being around his boys, going through this experience. And like I said, it was even more unique for him because we didn't have a lot going on out here. It was really more isolated than it was a lot of other parts of the country. Um, but just to, you know, just how you go on the road trips, how you hang out with the guys, um, they were still able to go out occasionally. Little things like that that you're doing in college that at least he got the experience. Um, and just the learning curve. The learning curve, I don't blame the NBA for not wanting to get into high school gyms. There's such a steep learning curve for those kids when they're 17, 18 years old and you're going into that league. And so it's a steep learning curve coming to us. Um, but at least they're around, you know, like-sized kids or like-age kids, and it makes it a little more easier. Um but I think it did help him, Jeff, to answer your question. I think the year of getting attention for a kid who does not want attention um, helped him out a lot in, in his growth and his maturity. He was already a mature kid, but I think it helped him in that aspect and will only provide a better platform for him as he goes on to the next level in terms of asserting himself, his confidence, um, and things like that. Jeremy, one question I wanted to ask you was, this was the first year of the G League Ignite. If we were having a normal season or a normal year, would those kids have gone through a normal G League schedule? I know it was condensed because of the G League bubble, but like if they were to choose the G League night, would they go through the Westchester Knicks, Des Moines, Iowa Wolves, travel, play that full schedule for the NBA to evaluate them on those terms? Or is it going to be a more um, condensed schedule with, you know, to, I guess, I don't want to say cater to them because I don't know if they're catering to them, but to, I guess, help them out more. Yeah, I think that I think that was the plan. Uh, and my guess is that's how it would have happened, because, uh, you know, originally it was like, well, will they go overseas? Will they play in like youth tournaments? But then you look and, you know, they filled the roster out with G League bets. Right. You had, you know, Reggie Hearn, uh, guys like that who were you know, on their team to sort of help them bridge the gap. Uh, and I think with that in mind, my guess is they would have played that whole schedule. And, uh, you know, it also creates jobs for you know some of those pro guys. Um, they didn't they weren't totally overmatched, too. I think that was one of the imp impressive things in the bubble is, you know, they, they didn't they were OK. They didn't you know win, but they were, you know, I think about 500. They might have been like a game under 500 in the bubble. It's a, honestly better than I thought they were going to be. I thought <laughs> my expectations were low, uh, you know, having you know scouted all those guys individually in high school, too. So but yeah, I think to your question, um, yeah, I think the plan would have been. And I my guess is that this year we'll see it uh, as these guys will play a more normal uh, G League schedule. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to play devil's advocate to everybody on the call because I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, right, my wheels are turning. And, again, I wish we had overtime and G League representatives on here to, to, to speak their perspective because, again, I respect those guys. Them guys that they got running the league are, are really, really good. Um, so I want to hear what anybody on the call has to say to when I make the point that uh, – LaMelo Ball went over to Australia or wherever he went and came back and is killing in the NBA. Luka Donich was a pro right away. He comes to the NBA. The NBA is a joke to him. Uh, 
Brandon Jennings did it. And now the one that's kind of shocking me, to be honest, and I've always loved the kid and tried to recruit him, couldn't get anything going with him. But it's shocking me that R.J. Hampton is starting to play well in the NBA. And he's a guy that went to straight play pro basketball. So now when you look at those four guys and you're a parent or a coach and you got a kid that you think is a pro and you want him to be the most prepared, you're looking at Luka Donitz, you're looking at LaMelo Ball, you're looking at Brandon Jennings, you're looking at R.J. Hampton, and you're saying they're more prepared than college guys coming out. Now, I don't know what the answer is. I'm talking to everybody on the call playing devil's advocate. I think I think it goes back to a little bit of what I said earlier, you know, CY. And I know you're a big big proponent of the new blood, you know, is is I think that we have now seen that there are multiple avenues to make it. And I think that if you do the research as as a as a family and you look at each situation, each one of those guys' situations, RJ's, Lamelo. Luka Doncic playing overseas. And I, 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 I look, I mean, I, I look at, I mean, we had, we had a young man at, at Kentucky a couple of years ago that, that came out with a huge rep. And I wonder if, what, what, what would if his kind of life look like today if he would have maybe gone straight kind of after a big summer at Nike Skills and coming out and, and then comes to college and maybe it wasn't the right fit you know, is, is his situation at, at Kentucky. But now you're looking at what, what we have seen is I think young people are now seeing that they go to where they best fit. And with a style of a head coach, maybe the, the smaller campus, a bigger campus, maybe it's a more of an urban setting versus a, a rural setting, or maybe it's a, an international setting. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. I think that you have to, uh, you know, see that is, is, is that there are so many different ways that, that you can do it. Um, and I, and I, that's, that's where it's exciting to me because I mm-hmm. think that now we're giving everybody an opportunity to, to go and do things um, and they can make the choice. And At I, one point I want to, who, sorry, no, I, no, said, no. I just want to say real quick, I don't want to keep talking over everybody, uh, but you know, to what uh, CY said, I think one thing we have to be careful with uh, you know, the four examples you use, I mean, I think it's interesting because there's a range of outcomes for these guys too, right? I mean, like Ben Jennings had a good career, wasn't as good as people thought, right? RJ Hampton, we'll see. Like I wasn't super, you know, he fell in the draft. We'll see what happens. Uh, I would hesitate to ever lo- use Doncic as an example just because he's one of the, he's going to be one of the best players ever when it, when it's over, right? So I would hesitate. Like, and if LaMelo, I think is sort of an but, outlier but, too because oh, his life is so oh. unusual, right? But, but I, yeah, never went to he played pro ball. That's my yeah, point. but but I'm just saying, dude. But look, bro, if you if you drop that dude with as good as he is, you drop him anywhere, he would have been this good, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, like his development was accelerated by being a pro earlier, but I mean that's one of the best players ever, bro. He's gonna be one of the best when it's over. So, like, I just and this is probably gonna help you guys too if you're recruiting, talking to parents. Like, I don't think Lamelo is a good example to use because most kids just aren't his life is so strange, right? So it's just like if we're talking about what's like the median, what is like the median outcome for a kid? I think RJ Hampton is a good example because he was maybe a little bit overhyped. wasn't his fault. Um, you know, everyone kind of figured out how good he was. He was still a first round pick. You know, he's still going to have a chance to, I don't know whether it's Orlando, whether it's somewhere else in the future, he'll have a chance to have a good NBA career. Right. But it's like, what's like the median outcome for these kids. And that's what I'm curious about. Right. Like, Cause we can it, go the other everyone's going to be a star. Right. See why we can go the other way and go Jeremy yeah. Tyler. And start rattling off those. Good one, good one. Give me a couple more. Give me a couple more. 
I'm trying to think of the other ones that, that, that didn't pan out that went overseas. Jeremy, I mean, give me a couple more. Make me feel good. <laughs> yeah, um, I, I got to think. I, I know Jeremy's trying to get emotional. I read the data. You can't be blurt, man. <laughs> give me some data. <laughs> I mean, with the, I don't want to be like listening to all the guys who fail, but you know guys fail all the time. I, right. I, I do think it's worth noting, though, that there's probably something to the fact that you can be 19 years old and go to a professional league and, and go up against guys that are fighting for that last contract or are 28, 29 year old full grown men. Um, the the kind of uh, the, having the the mental makeup or the mindset to be able to to handle something like that and to get thrown into a situation where you're on the other side of the country, right? If you're in Australia, you're not going to be able to FaceTime with your friends because when when it's morning there, it's going to be night where you are and vice versa. So um, I do think there's something to be said that maybe the, the, the kids that have been thrown in that situation are, are more predisposed to being able to have success immediately in the NBA because they're just wired a certain way. They're tough. They're mentally tough, whatever it is. Um, I do think that that's uh, part of it as well. Um, but I, I mean, again, I, I would just kind of echo what Jeremy said with Luca. Like I, that, that one seems like a weird one for the conversation just because he was, when did do you, Jeremy, do you know when he actually got into like his first club team? It was I think he was like 15, 15 or 16 right? when he got with Madrid, right? Yeah. Because he was, he was playing for their first team when he was 17. I think yeah. that's when he like broke into like the senior team. So, yeah. and, and the other part of unusual. It, yeah. So, the, the, and I don't know if it, I think it makes sense to, to compare some of those guys to the G League night program. I don't know if it works for overtime elite because again, they're going to play in like a high school or a prep league or whatever it ends up being. You're going up against other 16 and 17 years old. It, it, to me, it doesn't look all that different than if, you know, seeing IMGs pop up and Montverde's pop up. Um, Jalen Green went and played in the G League against a bunch of guys that are 25-year-old former All-Americans that are trying to get back to the NBA. That's very different than being a 17-year-old that's playing in a league that is going to be kind of built to create Instagram highlights. So um, I, I think that what they're doing in those levels is very different than what we'll see out of overtime elite. And that's not to bash overtime. I mean, look, if you can go and get $500,000 as a 16 year old. It's very hard to tell people that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I just don't think that that level of basketball is going to be comparable to what Jalen green saw, or even what Lamelo ball saw and RJ Hampton saw when mm -hmm. they were in Australia. And, and I have one other question for you guys as coaches too, just like put this in perspective. Uh, and I, I'm curious what everyone's answers. Like, what, what is, what makes life harder for you guys? Like the threat of losing some recruits, or just like the other thing we see every year is guys are turning pro after two or three years of college, but aren't necessarily going to even get drafted, right? And you lose guys, they go pro, but shit. I mean, they would. You could be all conference, all conference players. You every, you know, every year that happens, guys go early, right? So it's like, see why? Well, I'm not talking. I'm not talking about one hey, young guys. I'm talking about you know, juniors and seniors, right? My bad. But uh, like, what's what's harder for your guys? What makes your lives harder? Like the transfers and the lack of continuity and the struggle to maintain that, or the possibility of like losing, you know, maybe a dozen guys off the board you can't recruit every year. I think the transfer portal is the worst thing that we have. I I hate it. I mean, these kids, they soft. The parents is crazy. I'm just being a hundred. I'm just being a hundred. It's just like. You know, can't well, tell us how you really feel. I'm just saying, I, I, you know, it's really just like, you know, these guys don't want to develop. They, you know, they you can't coach them hard. Then, you know, if things not going their way, they they leave. I just think it, you know, for a life lesson, we've been talking about that. It, it, it's it's tough because if I tell my son this. And I got a 20 year old. I said, someday you're gonna have to step out on your own too, my boy. <laughs> and uh, 
you know, and, and be and become a man. And, and you can't, mommy can't help you. And I think the worst thing about our game now is that dang, that dang transfer portal. I, I can't, I mean, we had like 1,200 kids and 1,300 kids in the transfer. That's ridiculous, man. You got more than that. Carol, well, I, I know. It's crazy. It's, it's just crazy, man. Stupid. I just, so for me, for me, Jeremy, that is a concern. Yeah. Because you, you can, you know, it, it's tough. And it, it's just tough. I hate it. So. Yeah, Jeremy, like I said earlier, I think on top of what Chris just said, the transfer portal makes it tough. But the hardest thing, I think, is when you get a kid who's been anointed a one and done, who doesn't provide you continuity in your program, and then the unrealistic expectations would have come that come with a kid who in all reality yep. is expected to go one and done, but doesn't have one and done production. Mm-hmm. Because everyone looks at you, your fan base, your administration, like, man, if you're not winning with him, you can't coach. But in reality, we know he's probably not ready. Not and there's been an expectation that's been placed on him that's just not realistic. And then you don't get any continuity out of him, anyways. It's mm-hmm. funny, all you guys. Yeah, I'll give you another one. I'll give you another one with, with the Ignite and the overtime league. Something that's going to start to happen is, you know, obviously we invest a lot of time into these kids and, you know, while you're recruiting certain guys out of the top of your list, you're trying to keep other guys warm. Some of these guys are going to drag this thing out as long as they possibly can to kind of see if they can get into the Ignite League or if they can get into the overtime league with a certain amount of money. You're going to miss out on a bunch of guys that want to come to your school recruiting guys that you think might be better fits for your program. And we, we've gotten burned on this a couple times already, um, spending too much time on guys that ended up, you know, taking that professional route. You're going to miss out on a lot of guys that, you know, you could have been recruiting that wanted to take that college route. Uh, so, so that's one. I mean, the transfer portal sucks, but at the end of the day, it sucks for all of us. And there's going to be a bunch of guys to choose from. So when you do lose a guy, you can at least reload this professional thing. Sometimes you get stuck, you know, you get stuck hmm. with nothing. Well, look at Mick Cronin. I mean, Mick Cronin, it worked out for him okay because he had yeah, no, time. No but no at doubt. the time, no it, it was so late with Knicks. Like, that's going to happen. Yeah, I mean, we were recruiting Jalen. And, you know, obviously, you know, Chris made a great point earlier about recruiting guys that got you. Like, our final four team was, I mean, CY can speak to this because he, you know, and Joel, like, saw the makeup of that team. It was a bunch of three-star players that just developed and got really freaking good. And they were juniors. And they were, you know, juniors and seniors by that point. And that's how we became so successful. We've gotten involved. From that success, we've gotten involved with some really good players. But. We got involved with Jalen Green. Jalen Green saw this. He's coming to Auburn all the way up until the very last second when he ends up going to the G League. And you can't fight the kid on that. Like, he's one of the that, – that, made, that, that makes all the sense in the world for him to do that. It's a professional route. He's going to get drafted, you know, the top five regardless of what he does. But at the end of the day, we missed out on some really good players because, you know, we, we were kind of dragging that with Jalen. So that's another thing that could, that could pop up, Jeremy, is people mm-hmm. spend a lot of time on these kids. And then at the very end – they lose them to, to, you know, to overtime or to the G League. And, Steven, did you guys have Davion Mitchell on that team? We had Davion his freshman year, and yeah. uh, he, he played behind Jared Harper yeah. and uh, didn't, didn't want to come back and be secondary to, to Jared and ended up going to Baylor. So, um, obviously, it worked out great for Davion because Davion's just a dog, you know, and, and he's, he's the ultimate competitor. Um, but, you know. We lost one of the, we lost one of the toughest, most competitive dudes in all of college basketball. A kid that you never think would, would ever transfer from a school, you know, but he did, you know. So it's just it's it, it shows how tough this job can be at times when you think you got a guy that's solid for two or three years, you know, and he's gone. 
So it, it sometimes it, it leaves you scratching your head a little bit. And I didn't ask you that to open that wound. I just I nah, think that's why we all think good. college basketball is going to be all right because there's going to be plenty of Davion Mitchells who are still in school for three years who are just dogs and killers, and we're going to be well, all so right. We, we went to the Final Four the year after Davion left. Yeah. So, I mean, we won, the, we won the SEC his freshman year. He transfers. We bring in a kid named Javon McCormick, who's a JUCO from Lee College, who no one is recruiting, comes in. Great evaluation. And Great evaluation. Saves, you know, saves our, you know, our ass, sorry, see why, like two or three times in our, in our, in our 12-0 run in March when Jared got in foul trouble. And it's like, so like, back to the point a lot of you guys made, there's so many players out there mm-hmm. that regardless of what happens with this professional stuff, there's going to be players to fill rosters and there's going to be a product that is college basketball. And people are still going to watch that way more than they're going to be watching the Ignite team or the, the overtime league. Well, I got a public announcement to everybody on the call, you know, especially Division One guys. I've always had a tremendous amount of respect for JUCO coaches. We are all JUCO coaches. I'm about to start going and getting some professional development. I'm going to find three big-time junior college coaches and go out there and learn how they manage their team turning over every year because evolution is here. Uh, these, the student-athletes, they – they have more of a voice now. The Davion Mitchells of the world. I mean, I hate that Davion Mitchell transferred from Auburn, but when you look at what he did and why he did it, he felt like he was better than Jared Harper. He needed to be playing. And uh, he might have been right. <laughs> he might have been right. He may not have been tough. Hey, listen, he is I, now. He, hey, he was not back then, I promise you. That's not, <laughs> hey, it's all, all the credit to him, though. He went out there and started working, and he developed into the player he is now. So, I mean. Got to give him credit, right? You got to. You got to. I mean, I was the first one to, to text him and congratulate him. I'm happy for him, you know. That's just that's part, that's part of what we do. All right. Well, listen. Pearl, Pearl, guys, we're we're going to wrap. Seven. Oh, yeah. He's going high now. That no doubt. He he's learned seven. that. Yeah, he's going seven. high. Yeah. Well, he learned that. All right. Listen, guys. Uh, we appreciate it. Uh, everybody jumping in, uh, great combo as always, uh, G League Ignite. Uh, I don't think anybody's too, too worried about the G League Ignite. I think there's a lot of questions with overtime elite. I, I think that's fair to say right now. It'll be interested to see how those go. Uh, but again, thanks for joining us, Candid Coaches Conversation. Every single week, uh, catch us with a different topic. And maybe next week, see why we'll show up on time. <laughs> hey, 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 Justice and Carol Webb. New blood. <laughs> <laughs>